1: Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi's Leslie. Excuse me, Mark Romaldi, Leslie's executive producer, in every Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Joined today, as I am much of the time, by a very good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad's also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4U.com, the social media network for Politics. That's T I L L E R, the number four, Y O U dot com. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B R A D B A N N O N. You can follow me at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G R I M A L D I. We are live on Periscope right now. Also very excited today to be live on the Progressive Voices Network. Uh, we are going to be there Tuesdays through Fridays from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern uh, while Nicole Sandler is taking some time off. We want to wish her the very best. And uh, In the meantime, you can check out ProgressiveVoices.com and listen to all their great programming. Uh, they're also very active on Twitter. It's at Prague voice, P r o g v o i CE. Brad, today I want to talk about two different uh, pieces which uh, the Associated uh, Associated Press was reporting on yesterday. Um, Both have to do with America's uh, mental health system. Um, And I wanted to start off by beginning with an article uh, that focuses on the Justice Department and their recent findings regarding police uh, treatment of mentally ill. And that's uh, pretty much the title of the article for those of you who want to find it later on it's entitled justice department focuses on police treatment of mentally ill and then we will um, leapfrog from there Uh, justice department lawyers investigating police agencies for claims of racial discrimination and excessive force are increasingly turning up a different problem officers interactions with the mentally ill the latest example came in baltimore where a critical report on the department's policies found that officers end up in unnecessarily violent confrontations with mentally disabled people who in many instances have not even committed crimes the report cited instances of officers using a stun gun to subdue an agitated man who refused to leave a vacant building and of spraying mace to force a troubled person said by his father to be unarmed and off his medications out of an apartment Though past federal investigations have addressed the problem, the Baltimore report went a step further. It was the first time the Justice Department has explicitly found that a police department's policies violated the Americans with Disabilities Act. The finding is intended to chart a path to what federal officials hope will be far-reaching improvements, including better training for dispatchers and officers, diversion of more people to treatment rather than jail, and stronger relationships with mental health specialists. Quote, through the course of our work in the last several years on this bucket of issues, we've seen how important it is to get at the mental health issues as early in the system as possible, end quote, said Vanita Gupta, head of the department's civil rights division. Civil rights officials say the Baltimore report builds on work they've done in investigating the treatment of the mentally ill in various settings. In Mississippi, the Hines County Jail in June agreed to better screening for mental illness as part of a settlement, and the Justice Department sued the state as a whole this month, saying it was illegally making mentally ill people go into state-run psychiatric hospitals. But it's the work with the police departments that often attracts the most attention. Even as police forces improve training and develop intervention teams to respond to individuals in the throes of a crisis, concerns remain that officers are not adequately equipped for the situations and are being forced to fill the void of a resource-starved mental health infrastructure that's a key point from this article in my opinion more than 14 percent of male jail inmates and 31 percent of female inmates are affected by serious mental illness according to a july speech by justice department official eve hill who said society has for too long relied on arrests in jail rather than treatment for the mentally ill quote From the standpoint of police, they are somewhat frustrated because many of the people who are walking the streets and who are in need of help are not getting it, said Chuck Wexler, executive director of the Police Executive Research Forum. Quote, they have been out on the streets, they can't afford medication, and so the police wind up being the only one they come in contact with, end quote. The Justice Department has incorporated treatment of the mentally ill into several of its wide-ranging civil rights investigations of troubled police departments. Quote, I think some police departments have really made it a priority and are doing quite a bit. I don't know that that's consistent across all the departments, end quote, said Amy Watson, a mental health policy professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. A 2011 Justice Department report on Seattle Criticized officers for too quickly resorting to force when encouraging people with mental illness or, excuse me, when encountering people with mental illness or under the influence of drugs. In Cleveland, officers were found to use stun guns against people with limited cognitive abilities and in one case used one on a suicidal deaf man who may not have understood their commands, according to a 2014 report. Albuquerque, New Mexico officers responding to a domestic violence complaint used the same tactic on a man who had doused himself with gasoline, the Justice Department said. Those cities have since reached court-enforceable consent decrees aimed at overhauling practices. The Portland Police Department, which also came under investigation, agreed to new training and accountability measures under a settlement. A federal monitor in February found the Seattle Police Department was sending trained crisis intervention officers to crisis events in the great majority of instances and had given some level of training to all officers in the last two years. Federal officials hope for a similar resolution in Baltimore, where the Justice Department says police have provided minimal training on responding to mental health crises. Under an agreement in principle, Baltimore has pledged to work more closely with disability organizations and mental health providers. But Gupta said improvements can occur only if there's a system with resources in place to help the police. Quote, it's not about casting blame on specific actors. It's about making sure there is adequate support for community-based mental health services in compliance with federal law, she said. Ray Kelly, a leader of the No Boundaries Coalition, a Baltimore advocacy group, said he did not believe Baltimore police have succeeded in separating law-abiding citizens from criminal suspects. Quote, so they definitely don't take the time to separate the mentally ill from the criminal element or the average Joe buying drugs on one of our corners. He said he hoped the report would foster better collaboration between police and mental health experts so that if there's a possibility that officers are dealing with someone who's disabled, they would call a professional that's prepared to work with this instead of using aggressive manhandling tactics like they've used in the past. Brad, after hearing uh, this article and, you know, knowing what you know about the situation with our infrastructure in this country, uh, what are your takeaways from this Justice Department report on police treatment of mentally ill Americans?
0: Well, I think the Justice Department report is very important uh, because it it sheds light on a problem uh, that sort of lived under the dark shadows, uh, which is mental illness. Uh, you know, I guess one thing, uh, there are a couple of things uh, that come to mind. The first thing is that, uh, you know, it, it seems to me that they have to do a better job uh, and, get, you know, spend more tra- tra- uh, time uh, training police officers. I mean, police officers um, are just not out there uh, to deal with uh Uh, you know, the bank robbers. Uh, They're out there. uh, They have to deal with uh, mentally ill people. Uh, And it seems to me that police officers should spend a lot more time in training, uh, you know, for instance, to deal with mentally ill people, uh, for racial sensitivity, uh, the appropriate use of force. Uh, So I think this Justice Department just points out the need that I think police, we have to do a much better job training police than we do now. Uh, the second thing that comes to mind is that uh, I guess it was late last week, um, Hillary Clinton uh, released a plan uh, for dealing uh, with mental health problems. Uh, and again, it's not something that got a lot of publicity because it's not a big you know, big uh, issue uh, with voters, uh, but I think it's important to commend Hillary Clinton uh, for releasing a detailed plan uh, uh, to deal with a problem, which is a big problem, even though it doesn't have uh, much, uh, you know, public attention. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, part of presidential candidate's job uh, is to deal with, uh, you know, is to come up with plans, this is how I'm gonna cope with uh you know, global warming, this is how I'm gonna cope with mental illness. Uh and if you look at Hillary Clinton, she's done that, um, and it's a lot more complicated than just saying I'm gonna solve the immigration problem by building a wall on the Mexican border.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Brad. And I'm happy you mentioned that because that's something I want to get into more. You know, one of the the beauties of talk radio and long format, re, you know, reporting or talk is that you can get into more of the weeds of these policy details. Versus just a headline. So um, after we talk about this Justice Department report a little bit, we're going to actually get into the nuts and bolts, if you will, of that plan. Because I agree with you, it didn't receive enough uh, attention. And one of the complaints I've heard from a lot of people, um, you know, throughout this campaign, is they're sick of the, you know, all the coverage of Donald Trump and just what he says and the controversies. And we're not hearing enough about the real problems that this country is facing and what type of solutions could be enacted to help people. In this country, especially when you look at a class of people in America, you know who suffer from mental illness. You know the the most vulnerable in our society who need help and need a leader to help them. Um, but before we get to that, I want to backtrack just a little bit. Um, you know, if you listen to this report in the language that was used, Brad, doesn't it appear to be a lack of resource funding that has helped to cause, as the Justice Department official Eve Hill called it? Uh, quote, the problem of our society relying on arrests in jail rather than treatment for the mentally ill?
0: Oh, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think, uh, you know, in terms of dealing with the mentally ill, we still sort of live in the dark ages. Uh, You know, it's uh, and, you know, I mean, it's you know I agree with you i don 't think uh the plan that Hillary Clinton uh, released last week got a great deal of attention, and I think it's one of those problems where people just don't want to think about it and My guess is that uh, if you look into any family, uh, you probably can find a family member uh, who has some sort of uh you know mental illness, whether it 's depression or paranoia or. Schizophrenia, Uh, and you know, I guess the other obvious thing that comes to mind is you know, this is an important part of the issue um, about gun safety. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the reality is uh, we have people out there with mental problems, uh, and it's very easy for them uh, to purchase uh, weapons. Uh, and mental illness and uh, automatic rifles are not a happy combination.
1: No, And I, mean, I think
0: you see... dealing with mental illness is another way of getting at the gun safety problem.
1: Absolutely, you see that it's hard to get mental health treatment, and it seems like it's way too easy to have access to firearms. That's something I'm gonna uh, we're gonna talk about as well, Brad. Um, one of the things you brought up was uh, the fact that you know we have a. Um, you know, it's kind of a uh, something that people don't want to talk about, especially if they or their families are affected by it. But one in five Americans is uh, affected with some sort of mental illness. So twenty percent of adults—that's uh, a pretty huge number—and it's not talked about enough. And there's there's a lot of stigma that goes with it, which is something that Hillary Clinton talked about. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about where a lot of this funding and resource. Uh, kind of lack thereof, I guess you could say, but where, where the problems of having enough money to treat mental illness and where this started. And a lot of people go back to president Reagan. What does he have to do with this? Well, we'll talk to Brad. Brad not only is uh, very good in current day politics, but he can help to unpack um, our political history and how that affected current day policies. And we're going to get his take on that. Uh, if you'd like to join in on this conversation regarding the justice department's uh, report regarding police treatment of the mentally ill um, whether or not you have any personal experiences yourself your family uh with those who are affected by mental illness um or if you want to talk as we're going to discuss regarding uh what hillary clinton has released uh for her um, plan for america's mental health treatment you can join us at 888-6lesley that's 888 653 this is mark rimaldi and brad bannon in for leslie marshall we'll be right back after this quick commercial break Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth.
0: The Leslie Marshall Show. 888 6 Leslie.
1: Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Rimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Before the break, I started to allude to the fact that I wanted to go backwards a little, find out where some of the pitfalls we've had um, in our resources for America's mental health care uh, financially. So, Brad, I'm going to probably start this question. We may have to get a quick response and come back to you after the break. But going back to the origin of this lack of funding for mental health care in America, a lot of people point back to 1981. Uh, what happened that year under President Ronald Reagan, the Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act repealed former President Jimmy Carter's community health legislation and established block grants for the states ending the federal government's role in providing services to the mentally ill subsequently federal mental health spending decreased by 30 percent and then went down from there so brad how much of the blame does president reagan bear for the lack of federal funding toward mental health care in america in your opinion
0: well Mental health care is just another victim of Reaganomics. And fortunately, we're just getting to the point now where people are realizing that if we don't invest uh, in pro- solving problems like mental illness or hunger, uh, that uh, you pay a big price, a price that is much bigger uh, than the investment you would have made in money and created a new atmosphere when it came to budget spending, government spending. And basically it was, let's spend a lot more on uh, the military and let's spend a lot less on everything else, including fighting mental illness. Uh, right now, I think big part of the problem is, right now, of uh, the federal government's discretionary income, you know, that's not Social Security or Medicare or anything like that. But the United States spends 50% one-half of its discretionary income every year on military spending, and everything wow. else uh, has got the shaft, basically, and this is a, a trend that started under Ronald Reagan.
1: That's stunning, Brad, when you look at those numbers and you think about, you know, regardless of how strong you think our military should be, the fact that it would be half of our, our budget spending and, you know, no one's saying... That you need to cut military spending, you know, across the board. But obviously, when you look at, for instance, I think it's our Navy, you know, is is bigger than the, the next seven navies combined, or something to that effect. I mean, obviously, there's some room, and at least if you look at how robust that is and compare it with how low our domestic spending is, there's room to get the two a little bit closer. We'll talk about that more after the break. You can join us at eight 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 six Leslie, 7543 Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by a good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. Check him out on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. You can check out his website, bannoncr.com. Uh, before the break, Brad, you were uh, talking a little bit about the lack of funding for america's uh mental health care system and we were bringing that back to the cuts that ronald reagan made and how he kind of set this precedent for um how to fund our budgets going forward with you know really really high military spending and basically you know that takes up half of our budget and everything else kind of as you said so i think succinctly gets the shaft unfortunately um The other thing I promised, as promised, I wanted to talk about was uh, the proposal by Hillary Clinton uh, to address mental health treatment. And as I mentioned in the break on on Periscope, for those who are listening on radio didn't get to hear, I want to talk about my own personal uh, experiences with mental illness, uh, not only in my family, but myself and the circumstances that I dealt with, because I think there's a stigma. People are afraid to talk about it, so I think it starts um, with people leading and talking about it and not being afraid to, so I'm going to do that today. Um, but first, want to talk about this plan that uh, Hillary Clinton uh, proposed last week. This is also from the Associated Press, so you can read it online. It's entitled, Clinton Proposes Plan to Address Mental Health Treatment. Uh, Hillary Clinton rolled out a comprehensive plan to address millions of Americans coping with mental illness, pointing to the need to fully integrate mental health services into the nation's health care system. Her campaign released a multi-pronged approach to mental health care uh, Monday, actually. Uh, It was, I think, talked about a little bit last week, but they officially released it yesterday. Uh, It's aimed at ensuring that Americans would no longer separate mental health from physical health in terms of access, care, and quality of treatment. Quote, we've got to break through and break down the stigma and shame. We've got to make clear that mental health is not a personal failing. Right now, it's our country which is failing people with mental health issues. Secretary Clinton said that Democratic presidential nominee's agenda would focus on early diagnosis and intervention and create a national initiative for suicide prevention. If elected, Clinton would hold a White House conference on mental health within her first year in office. Her proposal would also aim to enforce mental health parity laws and provide training to law enforcement officers to deal with people grappling with mental health problems while prioritizing treatment over jail for low-level offenders. The former Secretary of State held a town hall meeting by telephone with stakeholders on Monday during a three-day fundraising spree in the Hamptons on New York's Long Island. The policy rollout would overlap with the Clinton plan to address drug and alcohol addiction, which she campaigned on in Iowa and New Hampshire after hearing frequently about the problems from voters. Clinton noted that suicides were at their highest level in years and people were dying from connected health conditions that, quote, too often go undetected and untreated. She said during the campaign, it has seemed like a floodgate has opened from parents, students, veterans, and others sharing their stories of mental health problems. The federal government estimated in 2014 that about 44 million adults in the U.S. had mental illness in the past year, or about one in five adults age 18 and over. One in five adults age 18 and over. It is estimated that nearly 10 million adults suffer from serious mental illness. 10 million. An estimated 17 million children in the U.S. experience mental health problems, including one in five college students. So again, 20 percent. And that's according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Nearly one in five veterans, again, 20 percent, returning from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, experience post-traumatic stress or depression. Clinton's campaign said the plan would attempt to integrate the nation's health care system to create a more seamless way of providing both medical and mental health treatment to patients. It would expand the reimbursement systems for collaborative care models under Medicare and Medicaid that aim to treat treat patients through a team of health care professionals, including a primary care doctor, a care manager, and a behavioral health specialist. It would also be helped by a Clinton proposal to boost funding for community health centers that she announced earlier in the summer, along with Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, her primary rival. Money for the centers, a priority for Sanders, was increased under the Affordable Care Act. Clinton's plan would make the money for the centers permanent and expand it by $40 billion over the next decade. So, Brad, now that we've discussed uh, the specifics of this plan, what do you think of the plan overall uh, as far as Clinton's plan to address mental health treatment in America?
0: Well, I think you have to give Hillary Clinton credit here. Uh, We were talking in the last uh, segment, uh, that senses a stigma attached to uh, mental illness. Uh, it's an issue that really no one wants to talk about. Uh, and I think you have to give Hillary credit uh, for, you know, going in such detail uh, and releasing a plan uh, that has, uh, that deals with an illness, which uh, creates lots of problems uh, in American society. Uh, and so I think you have to give her credit. And, you know, I'd If you go to the Clinton campaign website, uh, you can see, uh, Uh, you can access uh, Hillary Clinton's plan uh, to deal with mental illness uh, and to deal with the economy and about a dozen other issues. Uh, And, you know, she's laid it all out there. Uh, This is what I'm going to do to fight mental illness if I'm elected president. Uh, And that's the kind of presidential campaign uh, we need, where you address people, you know, the big issues facing American society, whether voters worry about them or not, uh, and say, okay, this is how I'm gonna deal with it.
1: No, exactly, because if we wait until it's a top of mind issue by voters, that's usually because it's gotten much worse. And you know,
0: exactly right. We only deal with problems after they move from being problems to crises.
1: Exactly. And if you look at something like health care, you know, obviously the president has talked about this, President Obama and many others, that preventative care Uh, Not just in the pocketbooks, but you know, if if you're these people who are worried about spending the money on these budgets, if they're worried about the financial aspect of it, well, the preventative care has been been proven to be far less expensive than the reactive care number 1 and number 2 you usually have better results because you catch the problem earlier on just like for instance cancer treatment okay if you can catch a tumor when it's first forming you have a lot of different options you have you know you can do radiation chemotherapy you can have a surgery but if it's spread throughout your body you're really limited so if you think about it in an abstract form like that it's a very similar uh, situation. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, Brad, that I uh, had promised to do because I think that a lot of people are afraid to talk about um, their own uh, problems with mental illness that they suffered from or their family members is I want to talk about my own experience with it in the hopes that it will make others feel like they don't have to be afraid to talk about it. You know, all sorts of people, you just heard the statistics, one in five adults deal with some form of mental illness. So uh, there's a lot more people than you think who deal with mental illness. Obviously it's not something that you just like people just talk about openly, you know, like, Oh, my back hurts today. You know, Oh, I'm feeling depressed today. You don't really hear, (laughs) you know, those types of things uh, is openly talked about because there's a stigma associated with it. Um, You know, myself personally, um, unfortunately, when I was 17 years old, my, uh, mother, um, died from cancer. She, it was after a long bout of cancer. She was initially brought, uh, diagnosed with breast cancer when, uh, I was 13 years old. She fought it valiantly. Um, we thought she had beat it. Uh, unfortunately it, it came back and, um, you know, she fought for two more years and, she passed away, as I said, of, of terminal cancer. It turned out to be uh, throughout her body when I was 17 years old. And, um, you know, I really suffered with depression after that. And in the course of receiving counseling um, for the depression that I was going through, I also found that I had uh, a bit of a history of some mental illness of depression and anxiety in my family, which is something that a mental health expert actually will look at, not just the circumstances in your life, but also what may make you um, more likely to suffer from a certain mental illness because it can be genetic um and i found that not only were the circumstances in my life affecting me and causing me to suffer from the depression uh but also i had other symptoms that weren't necessarily completely tied uh to you know my mother's passing and were already present in myself when i uh when I went to seek treatment, I found them and some people just are more susceptible to suffer from depression. You can have things like a serotonin imbalance, um, you know, which people can look up if they're interested it. It it affects your mood. Um, also depression and a lot of people, uh, tends to be paired with anxiety, um, which is something that is, I think, easily masked in our society and can actually even be useful. It's something that I've also suffered from where, you know, if you're always, uh, you know, worried about the next thing, it can actually drive you to be a perfectionist in some instances. And in our American culture, that's not only seen as not a problem, but it's praised. So, and that's another example of you can, you can take your situation and you can make lemons, you know, into lemonade. But um, I was able to get help, you know, at the time I was a college student at, at Syracuse university and we had a good, Um, mental health uh, service provider there where I was able to get counseling. I was able to get treatment. I I even, uh, they prescribed me medication, which in the end it turned out didn't end up helping as much as, you know, we had hoped. But the point was I I got the treatment that I needed. I was, I'm doing, you know, much better. This was obviously, you know, uh, a little while ago, but it's something that doesn't just go away. It's something I've had to go back to treatment for at different points in my life and, you know, I've I've talked with my family about it. My close friends know about it, but now I'm telling literally everybody. And just the point of doing that is so that I don't think people have to be afraid um, of sharing these experiences. And as something you brought up, Brad, is many of us have family members who are affected by this and are either afraid to talk to them about it or if they want that person to get help they're afraid to talk to anybody else about it and i think it's I, I can't remember the the representative uh kennedy is um talked about it recently how you know there's a stigma in the united states and he's trying to do a better job of displacing that stigma so that people seek treatment because if people are afraid to talk about it they're never going to want to seek help for it or talk to someone yeah you know, i to get totally help for agree and
0: uh, I think it's, I'm glad you mentioned it's uh, Patrick Kennedy. Patrick Kennedy, thank you. uh, Who just wrote the book, who's the son uh, of uh, the late Senator Edward Teddy Kennedy. And in the book, uh, just like you did, uh, there was a very, uh, Kennedy has a very straightforward uh, description of his own problems uh, with depression and anxiety. Uh, And it's a great book because it brings out an issue in. To the open, and I give you a lot of credit for talking about uh, your problems with uh, depression and anxiety. And you know, one thing, one other thing, you said I'd like to underline is that the worst thing about this is you're right. A lot of people. Don't even, never even seek treatment uh, for mental uh, problems uh, because they they don't want to admit to anybody they have mental illness because there is a stigma attached to it. But the the thing is that if you you know seek treatment, it's actually very easy medically to to deal with the problem. It's just that so many people run around. uh, not either recognizing the problem or don't want to admit themselves they have a problem with mental illness, uh, that causes all the trouble because there are a lot of these things, not all of them, but a lot of these issues are very treatable, uh, you know, with medication or counseling or whatever. And, you know, I think Uh, One thing that President Obama deserves credit for uh, was including, uh, you know, mental illness uh, benefits uh, in the – Obamacare law uh, because in uh, Obamacare recognizes that mental illness uh, on the same uh, plane in the same level uh, as physical uh, illness uh, you know it's probably worse to have a you know be suffer from depression and leave it untreated if you break your leg you're definitely going to get treatment but a lot of people who have mental illness never bother getting the treatment and I think mainly because of the stigma to it.
1: No, and it's exactly right. It's people can mask it. There's a lot of you know, there's things that I noticed that you can you 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 suffer in silence, which is the problem and it gets worse. And then the longer you leave it untreated, you know, it it gets worse and worse. And the other thing is I think there's also um, a stigma. Like you said, you can't see it. You can't see that you have, like, a broken leg or a broken arm or whatever. So you sometimes may question whether it's really there. And then when you do that, that's sometimes enough of an excuse to just bury the problem, which, as we know, it's just going to get worse. Us as Americans, we love to do that. Um, That's one problem. Another problem is... Americans have to have the uh, to be able to have health insurance in order to receive mental health care and then be able to afford the copay so that's something that needs to be talked about and that's something that Hillary Clinton's plan is trying to do with expanding Medicare and Medicaid benefits and then number 3 I think there's also a stigma for males because uh, to seek not not that females don't suffer, but I think males it seems are especially hesitant to seek help because it's somehow uh, seen like oh you're not tough or something like that um, and like emasculated or not even emasculated but that you're not tough or somehow if you admit that you have a problem which couldn't be further from the truth because I found the hardest thing was to actually get over that, and that took a lot more guts on my part. It was easier to just bury it and hide it and deny that there was any sort of problem that I was facing. The hardest thing, the the toughest I had to be, was to actually take that first step. And then once I got in there and I started getting relief from the problem, I was kicking myself for not doing it sooner, just like most of us do with any other problem we've waited to address. It's usually the fear of the unknown that is the worst part of it. And then once you actually get in there, it's just you see, you know, how much better things can be. And one thing I want to talk about, we, we're coming up on our last break here, Brad, but is we are talking about leadership. We are talking about who is going to be our next president of the United States and who has to be responsible, not just for, um, you know, dealing with all the different issues that are at the top of people's list, but also are the most vulnerable in our society, which, as we've heard, are the mentally ill because a lot of them are being dealt with only at the last refuges of our society, which is political. Police officers are finding them on the streets So who is going to lead this country And who is going to be Responsible for caring for these people We've talked about what Hillary Clinton wants to do uh, I think you know where I'm going with this in the last segment So we'll get back to uh, Brad And uh, myself after this break If you'd like to join us for our last segment The number to do so is 8886 Leslie. That's 8886 653 543 This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon In for Leslie Marshall We'll be right back after this quick commercial break
0: You're listening to the Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. Eight 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 six Leslie.
1: Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark and for Leslie Marshall. For our last segment, uh, as promised, I wanted to talk to uh, my guest Brad Bannon just a little bit about um, our last question here, which is, you know, we've talked about all these serious issues. Uh, regarding the mental health care system in the united states how did we get to the you know what are the problems that we're facing how did we get there what are some possible solutions and you know we have to be serious about this proposition brad but can you even imagine donald trump talking about mental illness in a thoughtful and empathetic manner let alone leading a nation where he'll be expected to care about all americans including those suffering from mental illness
0: well, no, I mean the, the idea of Donald Trump dealing seriously or talking seriously about any issue is ridiculous uh you know the, Trump is a demagogue, and a demagogue is a politician uh who will say anything uh. To please uh, and to excite his followers, Uh, and the reality is, uh, you know, Donald Trump doesn't release detailed plans about anything. Um, You know, go to his website, and good luck if you can find Donald Trump's uh, solution for um, uh, you know dealing with mental illness in this country. And it's a lot, and you know, as you said, it's a lot more serious, widespread problem than you know than. People realize, you know, if you look at these reports of mass shootings, you know, almost all the time – uh, the people, these killers, have severe mental illness problems. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And, you know, I'm thinking, as you were talking before, I was thinking about, you know, how many of these mass murders would we have been able to prevent if the perpetrators had got, you know, treatment for mental illness uh, earlier in their lives? Uh, and it's an important problem. And, you know, Donald, it's, and, and Trump isn't into solving problems. That's not his thing. His thing is to complain about the way things are now and use that to generate support rather than doing what Hillary Clinton does, which says, okay, we have a serious problem here like mental illness, and here's my plan for dealing with mental illness. Uh, And Trump doesn't even come close to doing that. Uh, You know, just look how how much trouble he's had. You know, he's been talking about releasing a immigration reform program uh, for two weeks now, and they keep postponing it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Because he can't.
0: Reality is he, can't come up with the solution that pleases everybody. Uh, so let's not do it at all.
1: No, exactly. And if you look at you see the same problem with a lot of his other proposals. The one he does get into most details on, he seems to have the most problems with. Uh, of course, that was Brad Bannon. You can check him out on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. This has been Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mark J. Grimaldi. Leslie will be back live right after this segment. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.